Hello and welcome back to the Red Special Guitar Podcast with me, your host, John Underhill. Now, if this is your first time here, then welcome. And if you've been here before, then nice to see you back. Thanks so much for coming and I hope you enjoy this episode that I have in store for you today. Um, today we're going to be catching up with a wonderful forum member by the name of Mr. Matt Netherwood, who's otherwise known as Yonderbosk, the creator of things, and he, Matt makes loads of different things and we talk about his story and it's absolutely fantastic. Before we dive into that, I really wanted to take a moment just to talk a little bit about what's happened in the last year. And the reason for that is that today is the two-year birthday of the Red Special Guitar Podcast. So hooray and happy birthday to the podcast. Well done you, you've done a great thing over the last two years. Um, and you've enabled me as a vehicle to to speak to lots of different people and to do lots of wonderful things. I think this year, obviously, highlights would be speaking to Brian May, obviously, goes without saying, um, and spending some time chatting to him. And some of the other bits and pieces that have happened off the back of that have been absolutely fantastic. And it's really difficult to convey how happy I am in words and emotions of being able to do that and what could potentially be lined up for the future. It's just fantastic. And I do have to pinch myself to remind myself that I did actually do what I, I never thought would happen. And that is spend an hour and a half chatting to my hero, which is one of those things that's gonna, you know, you all know what I mean, but I just can't put it into words. And I probably don't shout about it enough and talk about what I've done, but yeah, it was a good moment and it was, um, yeah, good times. I'm, I'm going to release a little video at some point about the story of how that all came to be and um, moments before going live and, and whatnot. So have a look out for that. And if um, that sounds like something you'd be interested in watching or any of the other content that I've got on YouTube or, or on podcast sites, then please make sure that you have a think about subscribing and liking and um, leaving comments because those things are fantastic and it helps the channel get found, helps the channel grow. And it also lets me know what you think of things, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, we've also, last video we did was a rig rundown with Luke Timmons. That seems to have gone down really well. Um, thanks again, Luke, for letting us do that. It was a great gig and it's highly worth watching if you haven't seen it yet. Something else that we'd like to do a little bit more of in 2023, not just with Luke Timmons, but with some of the other Queen Tribute acts. And let's see where that leads us to as well. Um, and yeah, the, the other thing I wanted to mention that's happened since the last episode was that the article that Brian asked me to write for the Queen Fan Club magazine has been um, published and is out there for all to see who get the Queen Fan Club magazine and I wouldn't say I forgot I'd written it but with all the things that had gone on I had written it, edited it, put it together and sent it off and I had forgotten that it was coming out this side of Christmas. It was a lovely surprise when a couple of you sent me some photos from from the magazine of the article. Um, I'll put those on the screen somewhere so you can have a look. But yeah, that, it was a, a wonderful thing to have been able to do. And it's fantastic that not only the Brian May fans of the world will understand the podcast and the meetups, but some other Queen general Queen fans will too. So that's been great. But without further ado, and it's time to get over to today's episode. And today, I've already said, is with Mr. Matt Netherwood. I would say that we recorded this about six months ago. So some of the things Matt's got up to that we're trying to allude to, but don't necessarily say in the episode have happened. Um, but we'll pick those up after the episode and um, yeah, here's Matt Netherwood. Ladies and gentlemen of the Red Special Guitar Podcast, I am with a very good friend of mine who has helped me on many, many things and who contacts me and I contact very frequently to discuss the minutiae 
of Red Special's guitars. He has been around the forum for some time, and we're going to learn all about that today. But he has helped a lot of people out with his pickups. Some people know him as Mr. Yonderbosk, but I like to call him Mr. Over There Tree, which we'll come on to later on. Welcome, Matt Netherwood, to the Red Special Guitar Podcast. How are you, Matt? Thank you, uh, Mr. Benito. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yes, very good. Very good. <laughs> yeah, that's thank you. Uh, coping just about. Coping just about. And how have you been over? Obviously, we saw you last year at the Red Special Meetup in October. Mm. So it hasn't been quite so long as it has been with some of the, the guests on the podcast. But how have you been through COVID, Matt? How's that been affecting you? Not too bad. Um, I mean, my day job is a job that I'm doing from home. Literally, I haven't been in the office since the first lockdown. Uh, I've probably been about three or four times since then. But yeah, thankfully, it's a type of job easily done at home. So yeah. it's uh, no commute. Which, well, no. 20 steps from the bedroom to the uh, the office, which is where yeah. I am, but you can't see because of all this behind me. Yes. Yeah. It's a bit of a mess at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's not been too bad. And I think it, as well, not having that couple of hours at the end and the beginning of the day has let me concentrate a little bit on um, doing all the, the bits that we're no doubt going to be discussing. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, there's quite a few things to go through. I was going to ask you, because I don't know the sto- the answer to this story, but I don't think I've ever asked you, but Hmm. Matt, what was it? Where can you remember back to your first memory of Queen? Where where were you? How old were you? Where, where, what were you doing? It's it's really the whole Queen fan thing for me is down to one guy. Uh, it goes by the name of John Wing. Probably won't be listening to this, but it was one of those things that was just a bit strange the way it happened. We always had family holidays. Me, my mum, dad, and my brother in Scarborough. Uh, we always stopped at the same place every year. And one particular year, uh, there was another two families um, that stopped at the same time uh, with sons and daughters, basically at the same age as, as me and my brother. So we all just hit it off. Um, and then from that year, we all started going to regs the same week every year, just to be <laughs> uh, And the aforementioned John, yeah, he was... Uh, an, an ultimate Queen fan at the time. Uh, this would have been probably 84, 85, something like that. Yes, I was only two at the time. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it, it's all down to him. He got my brother into Queen uh, and by osmosis sort of got me into Queen a bit as well. And then it just snowballed from there. It was through my teenage years. It was one of the soundtracks to my life, really. Well, it's very interesting. I Because in my head, you'd popped up on the forum, so I'll say relatively recently, mm. probably not recently in terms of actual timing, but in terms of forum time, which is how I... 17, 18, I think, yeah. that sort of time, yeah. Yeah, so I always go on, when I say recently, in, in my head, it's the forum, the length of the forum existing, which is about, what, six years now? Five, six years? Something like that. When, you, when I'm sat here thinking that the 1980s were only 20 years ago. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's... Yeah, just a few longer than that now. Okay. <laughs> so, That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. So was there a sp- sp- 
specific standout song for you that really got you hooked or was it just the whole out of an album or was it something john wing used to play you or i i think it was uh greatest hits would be probably the one that would that got me into uh music by queen itself the first record i bought was uh the single of one vision yeah uh when seven inch vinyl singles were all the rage um, <laughs> and then um greatest hits on cassette yeah what do you remember those the little cream cream colored cassette yes <laughs> uh, so that was my first foray um, yeah. And then again, showing my age here, around about that time, um, I we I bought myself saved up and bought myself uh, a, a hi-fi system with a CD player, which was nice. a brand new fangled thing at the time. And the first CD was the works. Yeah. And uh, yeah, a, n a number of firsts for the Queen's. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. They were quite. I remember. They were quite forward thinking. I remember being able to buy a Queen mini disc when mini discs came out as well. Whether that was a decision by Queen or by the, the record company, but they were certainly seemed to push the format, whatever format was hit at the time was yes. they tried to push. So going back then to then, were, were you um did you pick guitar up to play at that point or were you a later guitar uh -huh. player or uh, that would have been a little bit later. Uh, I think I was at Sixth Form College, so 17, 18 at the time. Uh, and there was me and a few friends at college. Uh, we were all into rock and heavy metal and wearing leather jackets and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and it, it was one of the usual things. A Sunday afternoon, we'd all go around to one guy's house and, and just literally make noise. Uh, nice. My first ever guitar was a Honor Rockwood, sort of a Strat type copy. Yeah. Um, with um, two single coils and then two together as a humbucker with a little switch so you could switch the humbucker on and off. Um, but yeah, that was my first foray into trying to play guitar. <laughs> Did you um, attempt any Queen songs back then, or was it solely? You know what I'm going to say now, don't you? Yeah, it's probably. Band. Yeah. <laughs> it was Tie Your Mother Down was, I think, everybody's first attempt at a Queen song. Yeah. Well, it's the, I mean, it's joke, jokingly banned. I think it's actually a pretty good one when we actually do play it. It's, uh, it is. Yeah. Pretty good fun. And yeah. No, well, and how did that go down at that point? Was that, you know, was it easy to learn for you, or did you? Uh, we we did, we did a few. It was all there was, was it Guitar Techniques magazine. I think at the time you used to buy yeah. the magazine and had the CDs stuck on the front of it, and it gave you all the tab and lessons on how to play. And I remember probably still got it somewhere. I remember playing the uh, the one that had Brian May on it, and so there was uh, time up and down, Hammer to Fall, all the all the standards that were on there, and teaching how to play. So. Yes, uh, upstairs in the bedroom, making noise. I'm playing guitar. I'm playing guitar. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it's, it's obviously, you know, six form, 17 year old. It's a similar sort of story to quite a few of the people that we've had on the, on the podcast. And mm. we all sort of found it and then decided that it's time to pick up guitar. Was, was it directly because of Brian at that point that you picked up guitar or was it some other influence as well? Yeah. Or? I think it was 
in a way a peer pressure because uh, <laughs> we obviously had the group of friends and uh, everybody um, seemed to be gravitating towards the guitar. Nobody wanted to sing, nobody wanted to play bass, nobody had any drums. So everybody yeah. just turns up with the guitar. It sounds like a meetup for the first few. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. So, so did you draw straws and it was, oh, I'll play guitar then? Uh, no, we all just turned up and played. Uh, yeah. Sort of <laughs> bouncing off each other and uh, one one of us would go away one week and learn something and then come back the next week and then teach it to us. And so we'd, we'd just sort of mess around and share, uh, share yeah. knowledge around that time. And so, you obviously, from listening to you, you're playing guitar at that point, 17. We did, how much research had you done into Brian May and Queen at that point? Was it is a big influence on you at that point as it is now, or is it, it, is it growing? Yeah, I mean, uh, the overwhelming memory that I have is um, going into, I think it was Spectre Sound in Huddersfield. And they were uh, an authorised guild dealer. And I remember me and my mate Brett going in there on a Saturday afternoon, and there, oh, on the wall, was a guild right there. Um, we did get to play it. We did, we did have a few minutes on it. And yeah, it, at that point, it sort of struck me the how different the guitar was yeah. to, to any other guitar out there. You'd heard the stories about it being homemade from bits of bicycles and things like that and fireplaces but until you actually got something like the guild in your hand and started what do these switches do and things like that that it, it suddenly dawns on you just how different it was yeah no it's a special moment when you start to realize to, uh, that so obviously i'm guessing you didn't save up and buy that guild because i haven't seen it at the meter <laughs> no um, <laughs> student days no money uh, yeah, they, they weren't. I think they were thousand pounds or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they weren't cheap. My, when they came my home of Rockwood cost me eighty pounds. Wow. So yeah, no. Be a lot so of Saturday just, jobs to be able to afford one of those at the time. <laughs> yeah, no, it's um, it's I mean, similar times now, I guess, but it, it feels different because the only place you could buy these things was in a shop, mm. <laughs> and you know there was none. Yeah, you were lucky if you had a shop that old guilds and then had one and you go and have a look at it but it's definitely changed now with the internet where things are still relatively you know a guitar is still expensive but you can order it online it's here tomorrow yes none of this as it used to be again back then you send something else and all the for every single advert for every single thing you bought says please allow 28 days for delivery yeah it's funny isn't it absolutely funny it's crazy it's yeah i think that's one of the things that reminds me of how life used to be talking to everyone because you do forget how accessible everything is now and yes. back back then it was a proper like well mum and dad don't want to send send a check in the post so you don't mm. <laughs> have to figure out some way of paying them and then do this that the other and yeah, yeah. no cool not having a checkbook and having to go in and getting the bankers draft over the counter yeah. and <laughs> sending that yeah and then proof yeah, no, it's definitely different. So you obviously, you didn't buy that guild. You carried on playing guitar throughout yeah. the years. And then yes. a, a period of time passes. And what are you up to in that time? Because 
are you learning about the red special then or, or is it something that you put down because life gets in the way and then you find again later uh it's uh, a little bit of both really uh, i mean i always saw what queen was doing there was a very friendly um local record shop um that let me have some a couple of the um promotional packs and things that they send sent out to the retailers so the yeah. packs that i want at all um somewhere i think probably still in my mum's house is the the massive advertising board for the miracle and we're talking i think it's about four foot square picture of yeah. miracle um album cover so yeah i think that's at my mum's still somewhere so there was collections of that window stickers that sort of period as well i was still a member of the the queen fan club yeah um when i used to get the quarterly i think it was um magazines uh little booklet magazines that you got from yep. uh with pen pal sections at the back so uh met a few people that way and then met up with them when we were going to places like uh pontins at southport for the um the meetups as they were then the uh, the conventions as they called them yeah the old queen conventions yes <laughs> uh, those were the days when yes very drunk evenings yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that must have been so because there's a bit of time missing in yeah. your story not not missing it's not like you you can't remember it you <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of from your youth to picking up guitar to to all these albums coming out and then actually yeah. finding finding a forum online because you actually yeah. i think my record it was again back in the early days of the internet 56k screeching and dial up and things like that um there was little snippets of information uh that were out there um i think as as people tried to find out more there was a bit more information i think uh, as some of the other guys would say, the, the only real good photographs that you could get of the Red Special at the time were in things like the inside photo from the Starfleet Project album. I think that's probably the, the clearest of a obviously black and white photo that anybody really had ever seen of it yeah. till that point. Um, and I know some of the guys um, that are in the community, of, is that's what they used as their base to then make yeah. their specials from it did definitely there's a lot of people blew that that photo up or like by hand and then got it got it scaled and, and created and generated to create the the outline and tried to adjust for the photographic parallax and or the lens parallax and, and built copies so yeah it's some because the forum's been around from my recollection for like the early was we learned speaking to gonzalo um back in phoenix around the 2000s, early 2000s. So it's 17 years there, Matt, where you weren't, you, yes. you weren't, you weren't with us. So what, what happened? What, why did you start looking? Or was it, you know, did you, did you find the, the web forum first or the, the Facebook was, forum? Yeah, I think there was, when I started looking, I came across about two or three different um, forums and websites, Brian May World being one of the things, well, probably one of the first ones that I found. Yeah. And that's where I started getting some of the more detailed information about what the guitar is and some of the, the myths put to bed, some of them confirmed, obviously things like mm. the tremolo arm from the saddlebag of the, of, yeah. of the bike, 
uh, and all that sort of thing. So um, I think it would have been early 2000s when I got my um, Burns BMG. Yep. When they first came out, yep. yeah. It was the one I got was towards the end of the proper Burns run. It was a serial number, I think 4497. And I think it was from 4,500 and something onwards that became the transition models before they yeah. moved back to the, the full BMG one. So it's, yeah. it's one of the later ones um, I've got. And, and then it's, it's sort of at that point that I, I started thinking, yes, it's a nice guitar. Yes, it looks like Brian May's guitar, but it's not really exactly there. Uh, <laughs> and I think that is when Pandora's box gets opened and you start looking and researching and just disappearing down that rabbit hole. <laughs> and I think, you know, the forums that, that, that I've been on, uh, that's where a lot of the information has, has come from initially. Yeah. So did you gravitate towards a specific one? Was it the, the Brian May World Forum originally and then yeah it was the Brian May world one initially and i think there was part of that because i there was a register of burns owners i think on the page and you know i think if if you go back on the wayback machine or something like that you'll still find the page and my name is on there against yeah. my particular serial number yeah um, so yeah i got a uh, little bit of discussions around that but then it, it was just something in my head that i thought he made one himself with his father it can't be that difficult, sure. That's when, <laughs> that's when you start looking at um, trying to do it yourself. Yeah. Famous last words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you um so you you obviously you just said you decided that you want to make one. Mm. When was that? Was that in the mid two thousands or was that it's it's something that I've always sort of had in the back of my head that I would like to do that. Yeah. Um, finding the time and I think a lot of it, plucking up the courage to, yeah. to actually make the start on it. Uh, sitting there with a, a big rectangular chunk of mahogany and thinking, I've got to turn this into a neck somehow. Yeah. Uh, and actually starting to gets with brass files and jigsaws and things like that and actually start cutting into pieces of wood that's that's the, the obstacle that you need to get over to actually get on with it otherwise you'll just sit there and look at the piece of wood and then nothing will ever happen <laughs> it's quite daunting as well because it it's a big old chunk of mahogany you start with for the neck and it, mm. what do, where do you start what do you do and if you haven't had any woodworking experience which some of us haven't and it's not necessarily what we would do it's it's a bit of a it's daunting to think you know one false move and that's the that i wouldn't like to say how much piece of mahogany costs that's accurate but that's mm -hmm. that that piece ruined and it, yes. it's um it can be quite a, a difficult thing to to get one's head around yeah because the last time i've done any real woodwork would have been in high school yeah. C D T as it was called when I was yeah. craft design and technology. Monty, yeah. It used to be called that. Yeah. Funny that. It brings back memories. <laughs> yeah. I absolutely hated that at school. <laughs> it wasn't too bad. I mean no. it was something that uh, again in sort of like earlier teens, I have done a lot of airfix type model making and things like that. So 
I knew I could do things and build things. Um, so I, I, I wasn't the total klutz when it came to trying to make anything. So it's that with all the fiddly stuff that you'd have in models, uh, it was probably as good a start as any of fiddly stuff for building yeah. specials. No, definitely. Well, it's a, it's, it's a fiddly guitar to build. There's lots of different methods used in other guitars, and it's amazing how many different cuts and drill holes and um, elements there are to it when you start looking at the detail of it as well. It's not as straightforward as it once as it as it and then, as it looks. When you're explaining to people that you're building a red special and they look at you in disbelief and saying, your first guitar build mm -hmm. red special. <laughs> 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 I definitely, uh, yeah, I think that goes with the territory of being part of the forum, though, doesn't it? Mm. Are you mad? Yes, that's fun in the forum. But. Yeah. So, so you, you, from memory, you popped up on the forum, and I remember you, I'm trying to remember back, you probably asked some questions, and I, my biggest memory is that you were starting to build one by hand, and you were trying to make a, uh, um, that was on the Red Special Forum, I think, I first mm came across your work and then it started to mirror on the Facebook forum as well. Um, and you were starting to build what was going to be your relic, I think was your first one. Yes. Um, deliberately chosen as a relic first, because I think <laughs> this is the first thing I'm, I'm making. There will be mistakes. I will be trunks missing and things like that. So I thought, well, if I make it deliberately as a relic, and then when I show it people, nope, supposed to look like that is warm. But yeah, that was all hands to well, say hands yeah. tools, obviously the things like jigsaws and, and things like that. But yeah, the uh, the outline of the neck was cut with a jigsaw, but the rest of it was done with rasp files, chisels, yeah. and sandpaper and things like that. Um, so yeah, as as much as much hand tooling as you could probably get away with really yeah well i remember watching the progress of it and seeing you doing what i thought for the first guitar build it was a pretty good job to be fair yeah. and um you'd gone to the trouble of trying to replicate lots of dents and dings and and um yeah. bits of wear and mistakes and uh <laughs> Yes, some, um, some of it is said to hide mistakes that I yeah. Um, but yeah, some of it from uh, and again, so you know, by this time we're talking what twenty eighteen or something like that. Yeah. There's a lot of information out there. Yeah, it just didn't exist before. There was a lot more photos and any high resolution, so it was more simple to be able to replicate some of the the finer details. Uh, and and I think as well from. So watching TV programs, uh, watching Mythbusters um, with Adam Savage and Jamie Heineman. Adam Savage, uh, for those who don't know, he used to work at uh, Industrial Light and Magic in the, the model making shop um, and made a number of things for Star Wars. And so I got started watching videos of his on YouTube. Yeah. And he's going through things on how to add weathering to yeah. items and make it look used and look old and that's where i started sort of thinking mm, i could probably use some of these tips for uh, yeah. making uh, the guitar look warm yeah definitely he's such a clever chap isn't he and he i've even his 
I mean, it's one of my subscribe channels on YouTube because he he just he's so engaging too, and he's got great stories, and he what he turfs out is far beyond what I could do. Yeah, and mm. it just looks like he goes, oh, and you just get this and do, and it looks like this. Exactly. <laughs> ah, yes, just like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I did actually get one uh, question answered by him on one of his live streams one time. Uh, oh, cool. Talking about uh, weathering and things like that. So obviously he uses acrylic paints and oil paints. I was asking the question of when would you think of using an oil paint when would you think of using an acrylic paint what's the pros and cons of each for weathering yeah so, yeah, so that was quite nice to get right. sort of not direct but indirect uh interaction yeah. with them yeah. ideal no it's good and he's um yeah and your relic came out pretty well i think for a first guitar i'm yeah, i know i know there's um some things that if we were to to, to have it with us at the moment i'm sure it's near you somewhere in the house but it's, there's probably things that you would say that you could do better now on the wall <laughs> yeah which but for a, uh, <laughs> it's up to you it's quite it's, it's quite it's got a big neck and it's heavy I, that's all i'm going to say yes <laughs> um, which is weird as well that uh, i think it's actually slightly heavier than the original probably yeah. partly due to the the neck itself Probably also partly due to the amount of wood filler that is in it. <laughs> uh, the block board that I used was your commercial 18 mil yeah. block board with uh, about a 0.6 mil ply on the top, which has taken it up to somewhere near a 19 mil. Um, but unfortunately, the quality of the Far Eastern block board leaves a lot to be desired, and there's lots of voids and lots of knots. So when you were cutting out for the um, all the cavities and things like that, you get there and there'd be a massive hole, so you get the wood filler and fill that back in. Oh, yeah. yeah, there's as much wood filler as there is wood in that thing, I think, at the moment. Oh well, but yeah, I'm just it's just twigged my memory actually because you know, from memory that you wanted to get that one finished for the first meetup I arranged. I, yes, uh, 2018. Yeah, I started it in probably around March, April 2018. Yeah. Um, and I almost had it finished. You were there on the day, weren't you, soldering the switches up, trying to get to, yes. trying to get it come to life? Everything was done except the wiring, basically. Everything was in place. It was just wiring the switches to the pickups to the polarity post and get it working. Uh, so yes, there's probably photos of me from that meetup punched over a, a soldering iron, yeah, um, trying to get the thing going together. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't actually come to life on that. I, I got to the point where I thought, no, I just I just need to walk away from this. Yeah. just let people look at it. Yeah, and play it acoustically if they want, but unfortunately, it's not getting plugged in. No, I remember it well. It's um just you hunched over it trying to get the scratch plate off i think to begin with because i think you'd forgotten the the I've allen key for the the tiny little allen key for <laughs> the knobs off. So, yes um trying to find an alternative to try and get the group screws out of the the volume and turn knobs to get them off and the pit guard off well it's, it's interesting then matt because it was the for me that was the first meetup i'd arranged and i think it's the first one that had been around for a few years and mm. I was, I mean, I was amazed anyone turned up to begin with. And, 
And um, I'd seen your work on the forum and there you were trying to wire it up on the day. I felt, mm. <laughs> I felt sorry for you. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it, it was a good day. Uh, yeah. I think probably punctuated by the fact that, uh, as you know, Pete Malandrone came for the day, yep. for the afternoon. Um, and yeah, he, he made a point of going around everybody in the room and speaking to them and seeing what they were up to. Um, and yeah, I was still hunched over uh, soldering iron at the time. Uh, so, but he came over and said, oh, what's, what's going on over here? So I said, well, it'll lay so I'm trying to get the wiring and, and everything like that. So I sort of loosely put it all back together, not screwing thing on. So, so, you know, you mind if I have a look? So he puts it up and have a look. Puts his hand around the neck. <laughs> That's even more baseball batty than the original. <laughs> So yes, I think I um, needed needed to shave a little bit off. I think what it was, I'd I'd got some plans, and I thought mm, it's, it's supposed to be a really thick neck, but this looks a bit thinner than perhaps I was expecting. So I left a bit more wood on. Yeah. And so perhaps I shouldn't really have done that. Would have actually taken it off as per the plans. Wow, you live in London, you. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, one one day sort of. Big spouting shots, and he, he, he liked the look of it. He said, Oh, yeah, that's, that's very close. Mm. That, that next rather like, never mind, you can always, yeah, come uh, on. yeah. And here I am, building. And here you are, yeah. Well, you've built a few more since then as well, haven't you? Yes, uh, the follow the following meetup, you had a couple of others that you'd, you'd built, and I think you'd um, you changed your methods slightly. I had, uh, and it's all with grateful thanks to Mr. Doug Short on that one. Um, he was obviously doing his own uh, red special, which again was one of the meetups as well, uh, looking rather superb on it. Um, and he very kindly uh, let me use his uh, 3D CAD work um, to get to two body halves and a neck done. Uh, so found a place down in Sheffield, I think it was. Uh, I'd gone round about half a dozen places locally and not so locally, and sort of saying, just with 3D rendering, it's just pictures, sort of saying, can you do this? Some, a lot of them didn't answer. A couple of them had a look at it and thought, oh, we can give it a go, but we don't know what the results are. And then this, this place, um, putting Edgewood work, I think it was in, in Sheffield, looked at it and went, yeah, we can do that. Um, so yeah, I, I went with them originally. Um, yeah. But uh, it was originally for I took three pieces of mahogany down for next. As I said, use one of those as a test if you want. Uh, but I only need two, so if it comes out all right, just do two, and then two versions of the body. Um, what they actually did uh, was there was a big chunk of oak lying around the workshop, and they used that for the test neck which came out perfect, to be honest. Um, so when I went down to look at it and I went, yep, that brilliant, you can do do all the rest now. Um, what's happening to that neck? Well, it's just a piece of old oak, we're just going to throw it in the skip. Well, you can take it off your hands, just, yeah, hands it over. Uh, and then that sort of bore the idea of, well, I wonder what a red special with an oak neck rather than an oak neck would be like. And hence was born the oak special, uh, yeah. which is uh, yeah, oak neck, unpainted oak fingerboard, 
uh, but standard block board and an oak uh, body with an oak veneer on it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and it doesn't sound too bad, really. No. Again, it's a nice looking guitar. It, it's nice to, I mean, the uh, the Red Special is iconic, and I don't want mm. to be burned as a heretic at the meetup for saying this, but sometimes it's nice to see other takes on the Red Special. It um, is. Just, just to see what people come up with, really. And it's, it's, it's always lovely to think people have taken Brian's original idea or Brian Harold's original idea and, and tried to make it their own or to see how they can alter it slightly to their own tastes or just to see what's possible. Yes. Yeah. And then again, the art of the possible is, is something that sort of lurks in the back of my brain a lot of the time. I'm, I'm sat there thinking, I wonder if you can actually do X, Y, Z. Yeah, I'll give it a go. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't work, <laughs> um, and that then really was born the the purple, the purple yeah. one, the big purple one, or purple rain R E I G N, as it sometimes gets known. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was uh, again um, mahogany neck. Um, this time I went for an ebony fingerboard rather than uh, an oak one. The curly maple veneer on it is yeah. uh, trying to um, pur purpleize mahogany. Uh, as, as people might have seen on your page recently, if you try and bleach mahogany to get yeah. it lighter, it, it, it was no, don't bother. Mm. Um, so, yeah, starting with the, the curly maple uh, and using that. And the basis behind that was to have it purple with gold. Uh, so, Ron Smith. Uh, very kindly provided me with um, an all-brass um, hardware kit uh, yep. and uh, a brass tremolo arm. The only thing that he found with the brass tremolo arms is that the grade of brass that was used at the time was quite bendy, so if you got a lot of um, resistance on the springs on the trem, you can actually just be bending or flexing <laughs> the arm and the actual tremolo is not going anywhere. Yeah. So he worked it out and he got a different grade um, of, of brass and sent me a replacement one with the, the better grade of brass and it works just as well uh, yeah. as a steel one, really. Um, but the big thing with that was what did I want to do for the binding? Um, I was thinking originally sort of like a gold sparkle like they have on snare drums, the actual um, you know, the, the outer of the snare drums have got that sort of gold sparkle. I thought, mm, nice, but if you if you slice it, it's sort of still white on the edge, although the, the face of it, uh, it is gold sparkle, so you still see white in the front. I thought, the only really way to do it is to use brass. And I set myself up for that, didn't I? Uh, <laughs> so trying to find some brass in, in about the right size, um, and although with the uh, the normal white binding, uh, you can heat it up with a hairdryer and mm. bend it roughly to shape, and eventually it'll sit there. With brass being sp slightly springy, you have to bend it and bend it more than the bend you were going for, for it to spring back a little bit, and then try and stick it on. Um, so, if anybody's ever thinking of, of doing another guitar with brass binding, think again. <laughs> it, it, it worked ultimately, but it is extremely difficult. <laughs> it's a nice looking guitar though, and it is a, a lovely moment at the meetup last year to see mm. Merlin absolutely ripping away on it. It was. In, in front of everyone. 
I think that's the thing with me that although I play a bit of guitar, I'm very much you know, a a home player um, using like little box uh, MV50 something like that and keeping the volume down. Yeah. But to hear it being played by Merlin, i.e. somebody who actually knows what they're doing with it, <laughs> or on the full Brian May style range, mm. uh, is yeah. it? Sorry, not that bad, really, is it? Uh, it's pretty, it's pretty good, Matt. It sounded pretty good. <laughs> so, I mean, that's uh, yeah. You so you, you're up to. That would have been the second meetup with the purple guitar and the Oak Special. I think the 2018, uh, 19, I think 2019. Yeah, 28. I can't remember when I did it. 18 was the relic, and then 19 yeah. was those two. Those, yeah, and then amongst all that. I, again, I don't know. I can't remember the exact timeline. I'm sure you'll you'll know. You also were making um, pedals and doing mm. trying hand with electronics, and you you've been putting together some treble boosters and you've yeah. been doing some other bits and pieces. Yes, um, and and again, trying to sit there thinking the art of the possible that uh, I've got, uh, and I know it's a big one forum recently. You've done it. That's like circuit boards from Fuzzdog uh to, to build their own and you know it's a good circuit board to to go from if you if you know the schematics or the values for um the travel booster you're building you can build pretty much any travel booster you want as long as, long as it's not not a germanium one because obviously pnp versus npn yep um for the transistors and and of course as well the bcy2l which for some reason has the legs in a completely different or, um, order than any other normal transistor, so you've got to work that around that one as well. But yeah, they do, they do work as travel boosters. Um, so yeah, I did um, a, a clone of a deluxe and, and things like that uh, with the, the stomp switches on them. And then I happened to be, um, again, doing bits of research and came across uh, Greg Fryer's uh, website and his blog um, and one of the things that he had on there was something called the Grand Kubar, uh, which literally was three treble boosters uh, and a switch so yeah. a rotary switch to switch between the three treble boosters um, I did actually message him about it and say how does it work you know does, does it actually work okay and I think he said at the time that he designed it and he'd done the diagram for it, but he'd never actually built one. So I thought, aha. But can I take it and do the Brian May and Queen thing? And if it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing. So I ended up building what is now known as the hex box, which is yeah. six <laughs> treble boosters on a switch in one box. <laughs> yeah. Again, just to say the art of the possible. Uh, the transistors in, in a couple of those need swapping out. I think they're a bit yeah. okay. When we've tried it, they don't really seem to boost very much. No, but some of them some of them were were, were absolutely fine as travel boosters. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember we we demoed it one year, didn't we? And we yes. clicking it around. And there's definitely a few that maybe need the slightly higher gain or higher. Yeah. Uh, what's the HF value on the? Um, the HFE values for the yeah on the resist on, on the resistors. I can't even speak today, Matt. I don't even know what I'm just rambling rubbish <laughs> to try and confuse the people of the red special guitar forum. Mm. Yeah, the HFE values on the transistors. 
Um, but yeah, no, it, it sounded great. Um, some of the settings, I forget which one sounded great, but there was at least one on there that was. Yes, I think I think it was the the deluxes, uh, the deluxe touring uh, were okay. I think the range master was. I think it, it's too low again in that one because I actually used um, I think an AC one two seven in that because that is the right PNP or NPN for that type of board. Roughly the AC one two eight. Yeah. Is the other style, yeah. Um, so yeah, using AC one two seven in that, but I think yeah, it's probably a bit too too low again for what it's needed for. But I mean, it was it was good in the way you say that sometimes when we're doing demos at the meetups and you say, "Here's a travel booster," and you play it, and then it takes you a couple of minutes to swap over to the next travel booster, and you go, "And here's the next travel booster," and you think. Well, it sounds exactly the same as <laughs> that much of a gap between the yeah. two sounds that you can't really can't do it. So no. I think the joy with that one is you could literally have your guitar plugged in and say, "This is a deluxe, chugga 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 chugga. This yeah. is a touring, chugga 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 chugga." And you can hear it straight after yeah. each other. And you start then to pick out the little nuances between the different boosters. Yeah, definitely. I also think the treble booster A A B testing is always slightly flawed because we always do it. We, we always do some element of something where we're doing it, but I think after a couple of minutes of listening to an 80-30 flat out, everything starts to sound the same. And it... See also Luke Timmins in the kitchen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great demo. How many though. guitars did you have in the end for that? I, I think it's about 18. It was... <laughs> but that just proved a, a, a really valid point, didn't it? And it's, it, there's... You know, a lot of it, I think, comes down to how you inter yourself interacting with the guitar and the amplifier rather than how it necessarily sounds out front to everyone else. But no, and that's the, the beauty of the meetup, really. And we get to build things and take things along and try them out. Yes. And um, so, yeah, so you were building pedals at that point, as well as building your guitars and you're learning more about electronics. And did, did, yeah. was it through those pedals that you've learned about electronics or was it did you have an electronics background before? Not really very much of one. Uh, again, it's it's things, researching things on the internet, find out how things work. I've always been that sort of person that, yes, that's very nice and it works, but how does it work? Yeah. Even as a kid, sort of taking things apart to see how things are wired up and, and having the, the usual few bits left over at the end when you put it all back together again. <laughs> Very similar. It, it, yeah. It's always been a, a thing of mine, you know, is, is seeing beyond the outer of what it's doing and yeah. the, how is it doing it. Yeah, no, it's good. It's it's been interesting watching you since like over the years because I mean, I've, from the first meetup, I think we've stayed in pretty rela regular contact over mm. the last six or seven years. Something like that. Yeah. Blimey, that's a long time. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, we've been in pretty regular contact and you know what's going on, what you're working on, what I'm working on and whatnot, which is always good fun to, to share. But um, it's been interesting watching your journey from the, that first meetup with the Relic guitar and then a few boosters and then the Hexbox. And I think you've made some other electronics as well. And then you ended up um, making some bits and pieces for other people too. Yeah. Uh, Over time, was was that the 3D printing that started that off, or was it? Yeah, there's been little bits of, of 3D printing now. You know, and, uh, 
Melody Mars to start off with. So we've had that a few years now. It's, it's one of the it's like first real consumer generation of uh, resin 3D printers rather than your uh, filament 3D printers. Uh, and yeah, people have asked me to just print a few things. Could, could you do, uh, I did some for Ben Belden, where I actually printed off resin plastic versions of the tremolo kit. So knobs and the tremolo block and things like that. Just again, it's something that before you get the actual parts, it's something that you can fit in and make sure that if you're designing something, it's it's the right size and yeah. you're making all the, the holes the right size for the bits that's ultimately going to go into it and things like that. Um, yeah, because the um, pickups in the um, the relic originally were a set of <clears throat> Burns Trisonic, which came from AliExpress, um, and still get them on there. Uh, you can get them as blank covers or with the, the Burns uh, logos on them. Um, I'm still not sure whether they are actually falling out of the back door of the Bouvion Korea BHK that make the Burns ones, or whether they are actual completely different factory that's making them. Uh, but it started off with a, a set of those in there with the um, base plate, with the, the neck unceremoniously ripped off and filled oh, yeah. with araldite. And uh, that sort of did for um, the first part. But then I thought, no, I want, I want them to be closer if I can. And then got in contact with Julian Hemingway who has been making trisonic coils for a number of years. Uh, yep. And he very kindly made me a set of, uh, sort of primary spec coils. So I use the same cases, I use the same uh, magnets even in there, put them together and they sound superb, to be honest. Um, yeah. Although it is a different type of uh, magnet, I think they're more Alnico magnets that are in the, um, the Chinese copies rather than obviously the ceramics that's in, in the original, but uh, with Julian's coils in there, they, they sound pretty damn good. Yeah. And you, um, I mean, that starts off another story, I guess, of um, mm. the, crea the creation of your, uh, your business um, over their tree, uh, or yonder boss, because yeah. <laughs> everyone else knows it. But um, yeah, of yonder boss creations coming to, to life and you starting to to, to manufacture pickups and um yeah how, how, how did that all start matt because that you know that's we've had adrian turner on the podcast and it's really interesting he, you know he was he was at a position completely different to mm. yourself and he was there with the, the guys from burns who were you know he found the machines that they were originally using and mm. stock of all the parts so he had um, a different insight into it i'm i'm guessing well, I've already spoken to Julian, so I know that Julian sent you some information on how he was doing it, and then uh, he, he did. Yeah, um, I mean, it's he was he was very good. Uh, you know, he, he was very happy to to share uh, some information on that. On um, obviously the the coils themselves, uh, rather than on a normal bobbin wind, where you have your bobbin wind your wire, your copper wire around it stick the case together, they're yeah, pressed or done. 
um, also with the, the trisonics, it's uh, an air coil. So you actually have um, a, a bobbin that is collapsible. Uh, so there's got to be a way of building this thing, wrapping the copper wire around it for 7,000 turns or whatever yeah. you have to do it for, uh, and then getting that coil off in one piece to then start wrapping um, the uh, cotton binding around it. Uh, so yeah, Julian was uh, very, very gracious in sort of giving me details of things like the dimensions of his bobbin and things like that. So yeah. from that, again, using 3D printing uh, and sort of CAD design software, I started designing my own version of um, a bobbin carrier to, to those dimensions um, and then winding them and seeing if that meant they actually got anywhere near close to um, where they needed to be. There was some little jiggly pokery, a little bit of filing off here and there uh, to actually get it. So the, the number of turns to get your resistance give you the right amount of inductance that you yeah. want. Because um, it's, it's okay saying that, as an example, you have a, a coil of a given resistance, which is brilliant, until you put it in your hand and it warms up and then yeah. the resistance starts going up dramatically. Or, yeah. um, and then uh, similarly, if you got the resistance right, you've then got the, the inductance. So if your coil is still on the former in sort of a long and narrow, it's going to be one inductance. As soon as you wrap it all up and it sort of relaxes into a more oval shape, then your inductance changes. So the key thing is to get the the resistance right and the the right number of turns on the right sized coil yeah. to get the um, inductance correct. So when you actually put it with a magnet into a steel base and squish down just right, that the inductance is where you want it to be. Yeah. Um, and and I think that I I must have gone through 30, 40 coils of slightly different sizes, slightly different tightnesses of wrapping um, the, the cotton wrap around it, uh, different elements of um, the cases as well, because if, if you use a different type of case, and Adrian will attest to this, if if your case is slightly thicker than it should be, it's going to affect the inductance. If it's a bit thinner than it should be, it's going to affect the inductance. Um, so it's just getting all those bits and pieces together to, to come up with something that's as close as you can get to, really. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I think it's one of those things that I don't think even even the fact that I'm using uh, an Arduino-powered machine, so it's, it's a home-built um, winder with a motor on it, with a, a reciprocal motor moving left and right, so it's moving the um, the wire uh, across the coil as well as it spinning round. Yeah. Um, and it's got an Arduino on, on it. Basically, for my own stupidity, uh, it was usually a case of I put it on and I want, I don't know, let's say 7,400 wines. So I put it on and you think, oh, it's probably about 40 minutes or so at the speed that it does it. So you go away and 50 minutes later, you come back 
and there's like eight and a half thousand wines on it. <laughs> oh, right. I've been a bit late. So you can either <laughs> junk it or try and wind a thousand off it. <laughs> so what I did then was little Arduino, one of the raspberry Pi type things, uh, attached it to it with a, a magnetic read sensor on it. So you can put in how many wines you want it to do, press go, it goes. Yeah. And then when it's counted that it's done that many, it stops. Stops. <laughs> Definitely the best way to go, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it does mean you can, you can go away and just do something completely different and not have to yeah. tune back every five minutes. Is it there yet? Is it there yet? <laughs> well, no, but that's great. I mean, that's testament to you and your, you know, taking on, I mean, Julian speaks very highly of your pickups. So, mm. um, you know, he was quite happy to share with you that information and, and let you run off with it. But you've, you've not only have you created pickups from the information that you you've got you've then found what works for you and then you've had to build your own machine to do it which yes yeah. is um you know it's not not necessarily an easy thing to do but having picked up all the skills from some electronics skills and then some um 3d printing skills and cad design skills it's kind of all came together probably at about the right sort of time where you could yeah. go i just about know enough about everything i think i can give this a go yeah and, and i think a lot of it is because at the time when i was wanting to do those picks my intention was um to put a set of aidsons in it yeah um and i think i still have a set of aidsons kicking around the house and i thought you know get get a new set uh, from Adrian. and at the time he, he wasn't doing it. his website his email address had disappeared from his website yeah. he, just, he wasn't taking on any any pickup work at that particular time so again um necessity being the mother of invention again how difficult can it be to find <laughs> a piece of copper enough times to make a pickup yeah well um, and it, it grew from there um I, I did manage to sell a few of the early coils that were, weren't close to Brian Maysbeck, um, but I was a member on a Burns uh, Facebook group. Uh, and Julian sort of said, well, don't throw them away. You sort of say what the values are on, yeah. on this group, see if anybody wants them. Um, so I did manage to get rid of a few um, of the old coils that way. Uh, one guy, he actually put them in uh, a base burns base pickups uh and he said oh they sound very nice and creamy and smooth yeah um so yeah there's there's more than just the the prime base spec ones yeah out there at the moment no it's great and that you know i remember when you started i wouldn't say when you started selling them but when people started getting hold of them on the forum they they get really good reviews and um everyone recommends you could sell for adrian i mean adrian's a little bit harder to to get hold of sometimes i know he's been whilst recording this he's moving or has yeah. moved so he's been moving his, his equipment and whatnot but now you've been doing the forum a good That's service Matt. yeah <laughs> yeah no so you've done really well matt to serve the forum i mean it, it, it literally did start of me saying you know i need a set of pickups and i'd like them to be somewhere near brian Merspec. so i built yeah. myself some uh and i can't remember who it who the first people were but a couple of people obviously knew what i was doing and i thought oh they sound good can you make me some 
Yeah. He also, oh, that's good. Can you make me? And it just sort of snowballs from there. <laughs> oh, it's it really is, is why, unfortunately, at the moment, the waiting list is closed. Because um, I did get to the stage where um, I was I was just inundated. I have a nine to five job. It is literally <laughs> just a hobby, is this? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I had enough orders for pickups to sort of make sure that I had absolutely no free time for the next <laughs> months. So unfortunately, yeah, that's that's sort of why the, the waiting list is closed at the moment. Love. I'm just about caught up with where I need to be. Uh, there's a few more to go, but um, it will be re reopened at some point. Just yeah. not just yet. <laughs> no, that, well, it's, impo it's important because it's, you know, to say it as well, because I think people forget sometimes it, uh, for a lot of us, all these endeavors are, are, are our passion. It's our mm. free, the use of free time. It's not, it's um, not what we're doing for, to earn our money every day. It's, yeah. um, and it's time consuming and and you know as much as we love it especially when you're doing something like making pickups it's quite a repetitive process yeah it's it's um quite tedious and quite detailed work as well isn't it it's not yeah it's it can be quite frustrating at times especially if for some reason there's a tight spot on the spool of the copper that you're winding from and you get 6,000 winds into a 7,000 wind coil and the wire goes ping and snaps. So cut that all off, start again. Yeah. yeah. The fact that it's, it's what, 44 AWG wire, it's it's like the thickness of a human hair. You can literally yeah. just get hold of it in your fingertips and go ding and it's broken. Yeah. So it can be quite delicate, especially trying to wrap um, the cotton wrapping around it as tight as you possibly can without yeah. Disturbing it too much or breaking something, <laughs> and then the air goes blue and it ends up in the bin. There you go, and then another set bites for dust. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's good, but it's also led you on. So you, with Yonder Bosk, you've mm. yeah, my my recollection is you started off making pickup. Well, you were making some other bits and pieces, and then you start making pickups. Yeah, you also have pieces first, really. I think. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I think that's myself, a... but people start saying, "Oh, can you make me one?" Yeah, and you started making those to look like the BC one four nine of the back in the good old days. Yes, um, and we we have one, haven't we? We've got one that you and I have um, put your time and my money together, and yes. in honour of your podcast, we don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to give one away to a listener for free. Yay! Yeah. Exactly. So uh, thank you for thank you for your help with that, but. Um, Maybe we can have a think while we're talking about a question we should ask people or what, what we should do to try and yes try, try and give that one away. But maybe it'd be a question about how many turns did Matt say he would usually use for a trisonic pickup? Because mm. mm. <laughs> you've already said a number, so we could we maybe we go with that. But I, we'll I, think. I'm, I'm thinking that I, I will say that um, on the bobbin that I use. For the, uh, on the middle pickup, uh, it's at a resistance as close as you can to 7.44 um, kilos. Okay, so that'll be the... How many turns is that on the bobbin? So and the closest if... one... <laughs> we'll win. So what yeah. we'll do is we'll, 
we've got a BT149 booster made by Matt. We'll ask that question. And if people want to comment under the video or on Facebook, and then at a set date, probably a week after the, the episode's gone live, Matt and I will pick who who's the winner and we'll get in touch with you and send you a booster. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Well done, Matt. Thank you for that. No yeah, so you, <laughs> so you started building the boosters. Um, yeah, I and you were building them under a different name, as you may remember. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're... Little play, um, obviously, Brian's initial is BHM. Um, uh, and, and again, you, you can find your signature on the uh, the internet anyway. So I thought I'd try to thought, well, I use the initials BHM. Um, what, what can I actually call them? Uh, and the only thing I think of the time, which is on the early pedals, is badly handmade. handmade. <laughs> <laughs> which I think which at is, the time uh, might have summed them up uh, perfectly. <laughs> I'm, yeah, yeah, and I'm glad to. I, it's, it was a good transition from that to Yonderbosk because I think mm -hmm. when you when you move from BHM to Yonderbosk, your work had improved somewhat, and uh, yeah, they weren't they weren't so badly handmade anymore. Yeah. I'm they still learning. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's still uh, bits that aren't quite right with, with uh, bits that I've made. Um, I've very, uh, very nicely had some uh, feed, feedback as well from Nigel, Nigel Knight, um, that has sort of had a, a set of my pickups for someone. So he was, um, as Nigel is, he will tell you exactly how things are. Yep. So, uh, yeah, good, some good learning points, Nigel, for, for me going forward as well. No, definitely. And Nigel's, um, you know, he is completely honest and very straight mm -hmm. when it comes to those sorts of things. But he's, to his credit, he's not doing it to be mean and nasty about you. He's trying to help you improve. Exactly. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> he, he knows what it's like to be, uh, yeah, to, to make these things and to have your your name or your company name associated to them so you want them to be the best that they possibly can be and yeah. and if they're falling short in what in whatever way then it's great to have somebody within you know, Nigel's experience uh to sort of say tweak that do that a little bit differently and, and things like that so as you, as you say just he doesn't he's not not being nasty to you so to say no. i know what it's like you need to get these things right yeah, well, he's, tr he's trying to help at the end of the day. And, you know, if, if it pushes you a little bit more to make a better decision or to change what you're doing for the mm. for the better of everyone, then, you know, more more kudos to him for, for telling you as well, because it's not easy sometimes, especially when we've all spent loads of time and effort doing something for somebody. To go, yeah, but it'd be better if you did that. And... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a part of the shite. Do something else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, he's probably said that to me a few times, but no. Um, <laughs> no, it's um, yeah, to boosters, and then you you started making the pickups. You've also tried your hand at making a few deaky pedals, or not deaky pedals, deaky boards, and deaky's or and a very special deakish. Oh, the deakish. <laughs> yes, um, yeah. It, it started off with a deakish um which was it's the the circuit itself is based on the the old uh fryer um and cats uh one watt deaky style amp yeah uh, so it's not got the same values as the deaky but it's, it's based on that particular one so 
again, trying something new um, using online software to convert a schematic into a printed circuit board, um, generating the right files, sending those off to a company in China to get uh, circuit boards printed and waiting however long months to, <laughs> to come back. Um, and then, yeah, making a sort of geeky style amps. Um, again, a nice learning pro uh, process in that you, from, again, researching on the internet and things like that, you, you can get rough ideas of what the um, transformers on the original DKM were, um, sort of value-wise. Uh, and then it was a thing of trying to find modern equivalents are still available of somewhere near those particular values um, and I thought I'd got it so we uh, put them in the little deaky champ and brought it um, to the to the meetup. I'm in a little office here and I was uh, testing it and practicing it and it's, it's brilliant it's, it's just the right sort of volume for, for a small little office like that um, take it to the the meetup uh, and put it on on the stand next to all the other DKs and do a back to back DK test, and you get to mine and everybody sort of says, "Can't hear it." What? <laughs> <laughs> so yes, it, it was a little bit quieter um, than, than than it should have been, um, but again, Nigel uh, stepped up on that and he gave suggestions as to what it could be. Because uh, all the values and uh, the HFEs of the um, transistors were in the sort of right ballpark. Uh, and it turns out that the output transformer I was using, that although the, the turn ratio of the first coil, the primary coil to the secondary coil was correct, because the actual resistance of the primary coil was high comparatively, it, it couldn't get up to its maximum or its maximum output before it's spent, uh, spitting it out to the output coil. So it wasn't getting to its full power before actually passing it out to the speaker. So yeah, the advice there was find one with a much lower uh, resistance input coil and it will probably work fine. So again, I looked through the catalogs for, for them, uh, found one with the, the lowest pretty much the lowest uh, resistance primary coil that occurs, put that in, and my God, it's loud. For <laughs> um, oh. those who haven't actually heard a DK up close, it's surprising how loud it is for something less than one watt. Well, yeah, it's not, um, it's, it's, I mean, yeah, it's definitely not like a practice amp at home. It's a pretty loud thing and it, you can't really plug it in when the children go to bed and play with it. It's uh, <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So you were on you were under something there, Matt, with the Dekish. You could have uh, sold mm. them as practice amps. Yes. Yeah. I think it might be easy to just put a volume control in it now. Yeah. <laughs> no, basically, it, I, I, I the question that I, I was somebody was saying to me earlier that they're convinced that the DK used to have a volume control and in the very, 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 very early days of it, but. Yeah. Know. So <laughs> I I think I remember reading that it used to, and it would sit outside of the box. But they soon realized that with the red special and trouble booster going into it the volume control was pretty null and void so it ended up getting removed hmm. and i think they possibly have and this could be my memory fading 
or me making things up from just different things I've I think it either got put back inside at some point hmm. or John wired it out so that it wasn't part of it because they just realized that it was so much better up full. Yeah. Um, but I remember reading about that where I read that I couldn't possibly tell you because I've read so many different things over the years, but it's interesting because it's, um, again, it's part of the history of it. And yeah. It's some, we tend to think of things as they are now, but obviously things like the, the guitar's changed over the years and Deaky's changed over the years, the 80s, 30s have changed, Brian's choice on treble boosters and whatnot's changed and uh, yeah. things evolve. But, no, and then so with the the Deakish, I, I remember it quite well. Um, although we make a joke and you take the, you're very good at, at taking the humour. It did have a lovely tone to it. It wasn't that it sounded crap. It was it was pretty nice sounding. It was just a bit quiet. quieter. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean the the first one it, it had a couple of vintage Elac speakers in it. So I think yeah. it it's sort of fighting chance of getting somewhere near the tone. Yeah, um, but yeah, unfortunately, just a little bit too quiet. Well, yeah, again, a learning though, and you, you know, you, you've put yourself out there and made something and mm. brought it along, and then been able to put it against the things that are the knowns and like the cat um, Deaky, and I think we had a Manuel Deaky, and Mark Reynolds had his actual brother Deaky there with him too that year. It's a great year actually for mm. for, for Deaky, another great meetup. Um, and we were able to AB them all and to, to put yours against it and then understand that it was quieter, but the tone was there. Mm. And from then on, you progressed on again because you've now made accurate replicas of the DQB board. Yes. And you've done some other work, which is likely to be out soon or probably already out by the time we've talked about this. T tell us about that. Yes. Um, yeah, I did some basical, again, Lots of research on the internet. There are actually um, manuals and um, sort of technical manuals for the, the supersonic PR80 radio on the internet. Uh, and from those and from other bits and pieces that you can find on the internet, you can actually get some a good idea and some quite clear looks at what the actual circuit board for the DK is. Um, so again, using this uh, software. Um, convert those pictures because you can actually, rather than having to draw lines for your, your tracks and everything, you can actually import a, a, a picture, uh, a JPEG, as your tracks. So it was a fairly simple matter of putting a photograph of the, uh, the board into Photoshop, turning it into a black and white picture, and using that as the copper tracks to be sent off. So yeah, it's, it's quite simple, in inverted commas, uh, to get an accurate looking uh, circuit board for that. Yeah, so that's now, it's, I've got one in my Relic Deaky, uh, which again came to the, uh, the meetup last year and will be coming again this year. Um, although apparently when uh, Justin Shirley Smith had, had a very quick conversation with him, he had a look at it because um, uh, I've got to yeah, find as many photos as he can online. Uh, and try and relegate to what it is. Uh, I've taken a little bit too much wood off uh, one of the cops. <laughs> not quite that much missing, but it, it, it's, it's getting there. But it says the stickers on the top, those are spot on. Um, so, yeah, perhaps little tweaks. Although I'm convinced that it's, it's been tidied up 
since because mm. um, the photos we we all generally see are the ones where there's some sort of black goopy staining on the side and there's a, a white paper label that goes over one of the corners and things like yeah. that you know the generic um but when i saw um the brian may interview with rick beato uh and he handed Brian the, the DQ. I'm sure it looked a lot more clean and shiny than I've ever seen it before. So I don't know if whether Andy Guyton and Nigel or anybody's like that has actually cleaned it up, given it to polish the cabinet. So, mm, question, to be, question to be asked if ever we uh, mm. we get them back on. So, yeah, I've got um, the PR80 style board in, in my Relic DQ, um, and I have sold a few of them. Uh, for people who are, are wanting to make um, their, their own Tiki style lamp, uh, I'm always scouring around eBay and places like that for for any close looking um, Elac speakers. They seem to be getting even rarer than they, they have been recently, and, and expensive. There was a pair of uh, Elac six inch woofers, which were the correct magnet, the correct basket no wizard cone on them and one of the cones actually had a hole in it and they still went for something like 90 pounds so yeah they are getting a bit um a bit silly in price at the moment uh but yeah i've sold a few to um some people um and then it, it'll be several months ago now uh, i got an email uh from a gentleman um saying that he, he's looking at making a, a Diki style lamp. Uh, he was going to be using the cap speaker, uh, but he was looking for the uh, the circuit board to go with it. So I made, what I, as I call it, the Conquest um, PR80 board replica. Uh, and he wanted to make a Diki style lamp for, for someone for a birthday present. Um, and would he be able to, to help out? So we, as you do, we get chatting um, and said, yeah, I can, uh, I can make a board for you, um, post it out to you uh, in the US. Um, and it turns out that said person that was being made for, for the birthday present, was Steve Vai. Nice. Um, the guy who uh, bought it off me, uh, he, he works for Luthier Company, and they have done uh, a lot of work on Steve Vai's guitars over the year, refretting and tidying up and things like that. So they, they know him quite well. Uh, and yeah, he just wanted to, to make something like this for uh, for Steve. Um, so that was quite nice. Interestingly then, um, on again, going back to the Brian May and Rick Beato video, um, when he's talking about the DK, uh, if you actually skip forward in that video to, to that bit where he's showing the DK off, you, you will hear him say uh, that Steve Vai apparently emailed him and said, Hi, Brian, have a look at this wonderful DK style lamp that uh, I've just received as a present from someone. And Brian sort of said, That looks very nice. Can I have one? Yes. Um, so there is another board gone out to uh, <laughs> gentlemen to uh, to build um, one for Brian. Uh, and while they were at it, they are also building one for Joe Satriani. Nice. The original. So there's three of my boards in, mm -hmm. in amps uh, out there. Hopefully by the time this goes out, uh, it will be public knowledge. And I'll probably share some photos of it of them by that point. 
uh, just waiting to you know to go ahead just from them to say that I, I can go public with them. But yeah, it's uh, gratifying that. But it's one of those things that there's a lot of people on on forums and things will probably say that you know I, I would love to to make something for Brian and send it to him and yeah. Some people do, and and then you know, so get some nice responses from him, and it's it's in a roundabout way that's finally happened for me. Nice, very good, Matt. Well done. You must be really, really proud of where where, where you've got to. Yes, yeah, it's um, certainly not where I expected to be. <laughs> when I was just doing all the badly handmade stuff a couple of years ago. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it's certainly grown beyond my expectations. I think really. No, it's really good. Well, you can see you've put a lot of hard work and effort into it over the years. And if you were to go back to your original posts and track to where you are now, and we've not even finished your story yet, because I know there's some more to talk about, um, that you've clearly worked hard to improve and you've made something, put it out there, been, you know, been very brave to put things out there as well, mm. even if you you know that they need work and get some constructive feedback, some criticism, and some jokes, and then, but you've you've gone back and you've worked at improving it or understanding why it didn't work and yeah. putting it right and then constantly learning. And then for anyone that's then bought pickups from you or a board or a booster, putting those things into them and improving and constantly doing things. And I know you've also done loads of other independent things to treble boosters and Deaky boards and whatnot for people, and you're always helping. You're always helping me out with something that's either red special related or not. Um, mm. yes. <laughs> we can't, which we can't talk about any of that at no. the moment. But um, <laughs> maybe later, but, but... <laughs> not now. Probably not on the podcast either. But um, no. <laughs> no, it's but you, and I know I'm not the only person you help out um, mm. with your with your skill set. So it's um, a credit to you for you know trusting all of us and yeah and, and working with us and humoring us and at your own cost and expense sometime to um to help us all out yeah again it, it's one of those things that um you know, and i think it's probably the same with a, a lot of people in in the red special community if, if somebody is should we say i don't know they're trying they are doing their investigations they have got as far as they possibly can and they just come again up against an impasse and then sometimes it, it, it's a case of i really hate to bother you but uh it's okay I've, I've done this and i've got to here and i'm now stuck is there any chance you could help me fine yeah i'm i'm more than willing to help people um I think it's it's one of those that if if people have obviously done their done their bit and just come across that impasse, then yeah, why not share that information? Um, I think it's it's a bit different if somebody's sort of from scratch and just sort of said, "Tell me everything you you know about eggs." <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> nah. But yeah, no, it's it, yeah. Again, it's I'm that sort of person many years ago i had a different sideline hobby of detailing cars and it, and it's it's that thing of you you spent several hours polishing waxing the car and then when you see the look on the owner's face at the end of it and you see that smile seeing the car you know, as shiny and clean as it possibly can be that's what makes it worthwhile for me doing it yeah 
similarly with the things like the pickups if if uh, if somebody's you know just wanting that bit extra that perhaps trying to get a bit closer to the brian sound and they get a uh, you know, come to me get a set, a set of pickups put them in the guitar set them up and then start playing that guitar if they then get a smile on their face i think yeah this is this is closer to the sound that i was wanted well job done for me yeah no it's 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 good it's a testament to you they make because it's um you know you can easily your, your pickups are, are relatively well priced and not relative they're well priced for what they mm -hmm. are and you could try and stitch everyone up and command an absolute fortune <laughs> but you don't and i know that there's loads of people that you help um and you, you help me so thank you for that um sure. but um <laughs> i'm just waiting for my uh my inbox to suddenly go mad this won't go out for a few months so you can clear down all your work that you've got on so yes. you can get prepared for pickup orders and uh matt can you build me this for free and <laughs> no it's but no it's 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 great and it's you're um you know you to me you're an absolute stalwart of the road special community and, and you you help by coming to the first meetup you you helped me because you trusted in the meetups and you're an advocate for the forum and you've been to every meetup and you're there without fail and last year you played a massive part in helping as you will do this year as well because you've been one of the hashtag frantic five it's just a little group of people that help behind the scenes to to listen to my crazy ideas and um make sure that i'm being sensible and not not doing silly things and offer suggestions and and help out on the day so i'm going to be everywhere which is last year was i think probably the biggest year we've had and i, I couldn't have done it without all of you guys mm. support yeah. especially with I mean, covid just something as simple as you know you, just having me as the point of contact to to buy the raffle tickets from or something yeah. that means that if, if that had been left with you on the day that's all you probably would have been doing all day yeah <laughs> got a chance really to do anything else um so yeah happy to spread the load no but i i think it was a lot easier last year with everyone there just to chuck ideas around to um make sure that we are making the right decisions with covid and thinking about how the day was going to run and i know <laughs> your um, messenger inbox that we've got the little group goes crazy a few few weeks before as i start to get stressed about what's going on but yeah. it's good to have people to say <laughs> it was it's good to... trough, so we, we tend yeah. not to chat in it for a, a two or three weeks and then suddenly and after yeah. a lot of activity and then it all goes by over another few weeks again <laughs> that's, how it, that's how my head works though as i focus on something and think oh, this is a good idea we need to do this and then talk about it and then we document it and then it gets put into the next meetup it's yeah it's been it's been great but so again people listening matt isn't just matt from yonder boss matt's one of the the five people that helps with the meetup as well any if you see him at the meetup make sure or if you speak to him online make sure you say thank you to him as well for that because it's um he'll say he just did the the tickets and the um of, for the raffle on the day which he did do and he did very well at but he also was there to help help guide the and shape the meetup as it was last year and as it will be this year and that's no small part either so thank you matt from me personally and uh yeah thank you for agreeing to be on this <laughs> for putting up with me i am really looking forward to this year yeah and i think from the number of people that have expressed an interest in going um you know, some of them have been there sort of like me for the last few years some of them yeah. maybe just last year 
Uh, but I think it's one of those things that the, the, the atmosphere on the day and the things that get done, I don't think it's possible. It, it's like Pringles. You can't just go to one. You've, yeah. you've, been, to, you've been to a meetup. <laughs> you have to go to every single one now. Yeah. I'd say that each one's been different and each one's got a different feel, but I think they're improving each year for the numbers so we couldn't mm. do what we did in the first one last year there's just too many people so the, the format has grown as the the people have grown but again for me it's a testament to the people in the red special community that the meetups are success because it's without the people turning up and agreeing to be on it and everyone abiding by the the strict timeline i put in place and having a good time and and whatnot it wouldn't be what it was so it's Will it's definitely we definitely do. It's definitely <laughs> worth coming to, and it's a it's a highlight of my year. I get yeah. very stressed, and I'm probably not the easiest person to talk to the day or day before or on the day. But the day after, I'm usually on cloud nine. Um, we, um, we we try and calm you down a little bit in the bus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all good fun, but it's um yeah no, it's good. It's it's it's, it's a lovely thing with the the strap line for this year. Friends will be friends. Uh, I, I think, yeah, that just sums up the day, really. Um, yes, there have been, which was, yeah, celebrities, uh, famous people, you know, the likes of Nigel and Ariel last year, just yeah. Smith, things like that. But the day really is for everybody that is there. It's, yeah. it's good to, you might have been speaking to somebody on Facebook for months but to actually be face to face with them and actually speaking to them you you, you already half know them before you're there so it is yeah. literally just like dropping into a, an old friend's conversation it is and it's it's like you literally just seen them yesterday and you you, you know the, the the feeling on the forum i always get that the next like, month after the forum you saw it after the us red special meetup as well yeah, everyone that was there all of a sudden has an understanding of everyone and all of those little jokes that would sometimes rile someone up disappear because everyone just gets that yeah. because they've met they can tell the inflection in how they would be saying that thing or that yes. you know don't take me seriously ever because i'm just not serious in <laughs> um yeah. and all those things um just make make the forum a much nicer place and people are happier to share and it's, it's such a lovely thing to be to witness people getting on I I think that yeah my favorite part is standing back and just watching everyone interacting and going oh look at that everyone's having a great time yeah and, and that takes some pressure off you as well you don't it's not as if you you have to be herding cats the rest of the day the no. people <laughs> are find, finding their groups of the people that they want to speak to yeah no it's um, great right and, anyway and I think the fact that there was such a wide variety of people equipment and things like that and uh, it is still the people that make it you, you you could turn up with your own handmade red special that's the first like my first one with the rally it's the first thing you've ever made is you know these mistakes and things like that and you can have somebody turning up with the guiding or kz or something like that and you're all just treated as equals people yeah. sort of say oh that's a nice guy yeah do you want to go yeah <laughs> No, it's great. It's um, and I always I say this in pretty much every podcast. I do not know of another community out there that has a fandom for 
the person and the thing that is as welcoming because there isn't there isn't guidance snobbery there and there isn't kz snobbery and there isn't homemade snobbery it's we're all trying to replicate what brian and harold made in their shed bedroom for two years when brian was 15 16 back in the 60s with modern techniques which still blows my mind that they managed to achieve it especially knowing how difficult it is to make and we're all just there for the love of that thing whether we're players builders fans whatever it is and everyone's just together in that space enjoying each other's company and chatting about the guitar i think it's an absolute i think you know if i hadn't witnessed it and been there i don't think i do i you i, I would have appreciated the power of it but no no it's something i think yeah you have to have been there to really feel it and, yeah and get what it's all about we, we can we can say to the cows come on well it's a really nice group of people <laughs> you actually get there and meet the people you realize they genuinely are a nice group of people <laughs> no it's great isn't it it's um this year we've got um there'll be some some a lot of the the guys from america are planning to come over as well so it's mm. it's going to be great we've started to try and sell tickets already and already i mean we're recording it's the second of june today we've we've already sold nearly more tickets than we sold for the whole of last year already it's mm. um it's picking up steam already it's it's great but matt you've been mm. busy with yonder bosk you've been yes. making these you've been making these boards for steve Vai and for brian and joe satriani you've been making treble boosters you've paused making pickups for a bit um mm. or trying to catch up you've also been uh, causing us all to question something else in the red special that we've all all known for a long time and yes um... it, it's, it's, not just, it's not just me i can't i can't take the whole blame <laughs> for it uh no there, there was a few other people obviously involved as well with um sort of providing suggestions and evidence as you might say and things like that um but yeah it, it's, it's something that i'm doing on the current build uh, yeah. that i've got and that is i started from scratch this one um so basically from first principles of the body shape has come from uh, a drawing of drawing around the original using the x-rays to get the um cavities as close as i can and things like that um and one of the things that's been um around for a long time is that obviously the the original red special is, is made with an oak core and blockboard now the term blockboard it seems is interchangeable uh for different types of board around technically you could say the blockboard's plywood if you go by the rules of what is the plywood <laughs> um there is yeah, there's varying types there was, there was batten board thankfully not battenberg that'd be interesting <laughs> but, but no wonder it sounds so project, you never know <laughs> um which is quite wide strips between uh there is yeah. a block board which is more square strips between and then there was one even further than that which was known as the lamin board which yep. is really very very narrow um strips of wood between the um the two pieces of, of the plywood uh and this this it's, it's a discussion that's been going on for, I would say for quite a while, probably 
since the the photos published a while back of the unfinished red special on the workbench with uh, yeah. the unfinished neck on it and that piece of a submarine or whatever it is that we were going to use originally as a as a like bridge yeah. um and looking at the the patterning of the the board that it's made from it, you you could interpret it in a few ways in that it's it's just heavily grained wide block board but you can also look at it and say that no that's actually very thin strips and therefore it's lemming board yeah um which again as we've discussed it sort of piques that interest in me to sort of look trying to look behind what things might be and what they actually are <laughs> so as with a lot of the internet is is there there is a lot of photos out there on the internet of some quite close-ups um of the red special even more in the book as we we are so we refer to it put by simon bradley and brian May. Bible. the bible the bible yes uh, and there's some photos in there which when you look at them uh in certain parts of it and there, there is one on there um specifically when it's a close-up of the pickup cavities without the pickups in them um kind of after the book page it's on but if you have a look for those that you can see on there or to my eyes anyway you can see on there that they are very thin strips of lining board rather than thicker strips of block board um Again, I think that there's one uh, of Greg Fryer's photos on his website of the close-up of the, the bridge pickup cavity. And again, on one of the photos there, you can see regular thin dark lines uh, to sort of indicate the, the, the thickness of the, um, the battens underneath it. So taking all that together, I decided, yeah, all right, I'll I'll make myself some lamin board, uh, which again sounds easy. Um, trying to find <laughs> buttons of a reasonable thickness um, is possible. Uh, I ended up at home base, I think it was, with uh, something like four mil um, strips, four mil strip wood, uh, which you then got to glue to each other, which you then got to glue that between two pieces of um, plywood, keep the whole thing reasonably level and flat and wait for the glue to dry and clamp it all together. And eventually you get something approximating lamming board. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I'm building my current relic out of. Um, I can't remember, who, I don't know whether it was Ian um, that made one with lamin board previously. Somebody provided him with some lamin board. Matt H. Is it Matt H? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and basically sort of looked at it and thought, what the hell is this? Oh, well, I'll use it. Um, from what he's saying, it actually does make a very nice sounding guitar. Yeah. Just it's... that little difference between what we refer to at the moment as block board and the lamin board. So we'll see. Um, because uh, when I get mine together, the pickups are an constant. Um, so <clears throat> we'll see what it sounds like at the meetup on a full, full Brian May rig. 
it'd be really interesting to um to see it and feel it and play it and see the resonance i think that's probably for me if i was putting my scientific head on the reduction of actual wood and the more of a um, glue higher glue to wood ratio yeah yeah having more glue as a, a solid possibly change the way the guitar resonates and that that mm. might be in a detrimental way it might be in a positive way but that's gonna be really interesting to mm. to to play it and feel it because i think that's probably where where i mean again we can get very close we know it's a 24 inch scale we know what the woods are we know mm. roughly what the next size is size is you know body shape cavities um is this the missing piece of the puzzle we just don't know we're gonna but hopefully we'll find out and it's really interesting i find the whole thing fascinating because it's mm. what it's the been an, as well is that for all the things of the combined knowledge of everybody in the red special community brian will have forgotten more yeah no <laughs> it's we we've all read the articles where he's said one thing in one and another in another and you know, it's, I think Pete in the Pete Malandrone interview, I think he touched on it where he used to think, you know, can you remember what pen you used 20 years ago on what notepad to write that, that note to that person? Can you remember yeah. what, what, what you saved that file as in Excel when you were making a spreadsheet for your boss 10 years ago for, for that project? No, you can't. Yeah. And it's, it is the same for Brian. It's not, although to us, it's this mystical thing to him. It's a, it's a very lovely tool that he made with his father but you're not going to remember every decision you made from when you were 16 because i can't remember what i said at the meetup last year i, can't. <laughs> I don't even know with, with the bank holiday weekend the jubilee but i don't even yeah. know what it is today no it's is it thursday it's, i think yeah. so yeah. it felt like a friday yesterday so yeah I no idea, really. no. but yeah so it's, it's interesting because i think again and i don't know that we'll ever know but it's it's one of those fun things and we're at that point now in the forum where we've got people like you who are like well if it looks like bannon board from the photos and you're convinced it is well you're just going to go ahead and make one and see and i think that's a great place to be because before we 20 years ago when this all started that we wouldn't have probably been in that position and what's great is you'll be able to come along to the meetup and you'll have finished the guitar mat no pressure and um <laughs> and be able to pick it up and see how it feels and see how it resonates and see see what what it sounds like compared to another that would be a really interesting thing and i've got to thank you to say i i honestly can't remember who it was um at the meetup but you know who you are um the one of the uh meetup attendees very kindly uh, gave me a piece of genuine south american mahogany that had been in their loft and nice and dry for several years and uh, so the neck of this relic is going to be genuine south american mahogany so i'm sorry i forgot which of you was but you know who you are and thank you very much for it it is going on the relic guitar so if, if there is any tone in proper mahogany then that will be contributing to it <laughs> well hopefully that person will be at the meetup this coming year and you'll be able to say thank you and show them the finished guitar and yeah. let the them have a triple i'm missing right now for at the moment for my relic is a definitive map of woodworm holes 
I think I've got most of them from some of the black and white photos, but unless somebody out there got a definitive map of woodworm holes, so I will be adding them and filling them with matches. <laughs> yeah, I hope you're going to be using the Bryant May variation matches. Definitely using Bryant May matches. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know that they were around back then, but I think that's the interesting thing from chatting to you as well over over the years, Matt, is that between the, the two of us, we, we're not we always ask one of the the big things of our questions when we get on a thread of something it usually tends to be something very minutiae of the guitar is mm. well, what would brian what would brian and harold have done and then it's yeah. well first of all your approach and then my approach to follow is what did they have available at the time so yeah. it was a really interesting one was when we worked out that wood filler wasn't a thing back back when they built yeah. it um for the the screw the body screws yeah yeah it's um varying people do it in varying different ways uh, i know that, that some you will use wood filler so when you screw the two halves of the body together these obviously the screws are inset a little bit um some people use wood discs to fill it and sanded some people use wood filler but uh for me, it, it it was sort of a faff to make the um, I don't know. I could probably get buy some dowel and just slice it down. But I thought, um, you know, what again? The, what would Brian and Harold do? Uh, given the amount of epoxy that's around that guitar in various Hank rivet holes and pickups and things like that, it seems like they had a job lot of epoxy. Uh, <laughs> Harold out kicking around in the garage. <laughs> Or in the workshop, so I thought, well, why wouldn't they have used the arrow yeah. to fill in those those holes? Well, but I think it's what's interesting is the thought process that you know you. I know you, it sounds so simple, and it probably sounds like a sensible thing, but uh, we spent probably about two days discussing this. There's mm. <laughs> the the pros and cons, and whether or not they would have, and what what mindset would they have been in. I think that's a really interesting point we're at now. It's it's um not just discussing what they did but trying to understand why and yeah and i think it, the, the the number of things that we were discussing that in our minds was was evidence for the use of epoxy was things like if you look at the original guitar you can actually see where those screws are because yeah. there's a very slight round lump uh so as the the wood of the blockboard has dried out over the year that's slightly shrunk and it's sort of left that bit behind as it's as it's yeah. shown back so you know that sort of gets you thinking well if it had been filled with wood dots that would have shrunk also yeah. if it had been filled with uh wood filler that probably would have shrunk even more because of the high water content of wood filler so the fact that it's slightly proud of the wood around it epoxy to my to my head once it's set doesn't move so again yeah. it's sort of we we were convincing ourselves that that's another piece of evidence to say that's what <laughs> <I'm saying. laughs> well i think as well the the um the the mistake in the neck um recess where they pushed the hank nuts in if you look closely and it's one of those things that i mean oh, I in the, the, the middle oh sorry the the neck, neck pickup position recess. yeah they, they put yeah. two holes in and they're wrong yeah and, and the two new two holes for the hang rivets yeah yeah and again it's those details that i mean i spent it was probably it took me 15 years to notice that even though i had those photos for 
15 years mm. <laughs> it's, um, just because you, you, you're not necessarily you know you can look at it but until someone tweaks your interest or points something out to you sometimes you can look at these things blindly and then you go i wonder if that, oh wow i've never noticed that before and it's um yeah, a recent one like that for me is the photos that you see of the original's neck when you're looking at the back of the tenon uh and these two areas on what would be the bottom side so the high e side yeah. on the underneath it looks to be two black marks now yeah. when, you, when you look at them they sort of look like it's something that has indented it or something there and then subsequently got dirty and things like that and that was my thought process but when you actually look at what's there there is nothing in the neck pocket of the body that could cause that sort of mark and it wasn't until i then looked at some later photos that i finally twigged what they are um and there were little um as they are in the um, neck pickup position the grooves where the the wires for the the pick the old pickup system came out from underneath the neck and out the side yeah. of the neck and into the body yeah. which was subsequently being filled in with some sort of black goop or something yeah. like that to, to to fill in those gaps and it wasn't until I, I looked at it really closely again the penny dropped and you go oh I didn't see that before yeah no it's funny isn't it when you pick those sorts of things up because it, again it, that baffled me for a long time and then I was like it's just they had the wires underneath instead of on the top originally yeah, because it li it lines up with the um the two mistake holes. Mm. If if you look, I mean, in my head, it lines up with yeah. where the two the two holes where they made the mistakes were. So maybe at some point they were planning the pickups to be in a different location or to have those contacts slightly wider, which is mm. where they were. And then they realised it was actually a fact to try and feed the wires through and get it all lined up. And they then changed it to the smaller. Um, eclipse magnet pickups and moved the contact points in took those out filled them drilled two new ones slot them in and then wired it on the top rather than underneath but it's it's just yeah i mean it's, it's really boring stuff really if you're not interested in the detail but fascinating because it was a decision they made and they've tried it and gone actually it doesn't work so let's let's put it right and and try it again yeah and i think it it, it sort of backs up as well the fact that Again, over time, there's been discussions of was there only ever one body made? Did they make mistakes and then refine it and then make another body or something? Yeah. I mean, or is, is there more than one neck? Which we know there's not more than one neck. Yeah. As we've seen uh, again in the Bible, the piece of wood that the neck came from, and there is no way you can get another one out of that. No. Um, and th there was a thing about the that again when you look at it you think there's no way that's the same body again going back to that picture of it being built with that big whatever it is submarine part whatever it is um where they actually cut out the top of the body to fit that and then when you look at it you think there is no way a hole that size could could be hidden and still have the guitar that we have today. You, they must have made another body for that. But when I again played around with it in Photoshop, you can actually show that the it's the oak block that's filling that hole 
Yeah. And the original hall is inside the uh, the half moon area where the tremolo sits. There's sort of the half moon, and then there's that little nipple, shall we say, where it's screwed in. The edge of that nipple is the back of that original hall. Yeah. So, so it says, yes, it is the same body. Yeah, and it all fits together, and you can see there's loads of details. If if you, what's great is people like yourself are able to work with Photoshop and put things together, and then prove theories that we've had for a long time. And I remember when we discussed the biscuit that sits under the, uh, <laughs> yes, under the oak. But we'll say that really cold, but we've called it a biscuit. Yeah, the biscuit, but yeah, <laughs> but it's um, it's just interesting, isn't it? Because it. It, it probably makes no difference to the tone whatsoever, but it's nice to know that those things are there and included in guitars and and that we have a bit more of an understanding of to why something was done and how it goes together. And I think it makes a lot of sense then when you look at that submarine piece and then, as you've said, everything lines up properly and fits into the space. Hmm. Clearly, they had that as a problem. They've had to overcome it and they've done, well, we need a flat surface, so let's make a biscuit to make it flat and then we can put this other bit that we've got on top. And that's why you get the, the semicircle in the x-ray. It isn't the whole piece. It's just that small layer and the other bit square, which makes more sense because you wouldn't have that as the piece that it screws to because it would spin round and it all suddenly falls into place. And it's, again, I just go back to, you know, you and I or yourself, Matt, looking at this with Photoshop and being able to prove that that was correct. You go back. 60 years to young Brian and Harold sat there with the thing in front of them with just hand tools mm. trying to make it and you know we've got the computers to help us with these things and CNC and you know disposable income you're talking about they're having to build a guitar because they haven't got the money to buy one and they've made this mistake mistake and then they put it right with hand tools it just absolutely blows my mind that mm -hmm that they were able to do it and pull it off so well and the guitar still plays today and still is that iconic i think yeah it was certainly playing well this monday as you gone yeah um, where you you went to see them at manchester the ale stadium oh the telly tubby arena but yeah it was it was on song yeah um, I, I think you know brian on the um the talent end for want of a better expression and pete malandrone on when, when he's hitting for example the uh the midi button for that one note if i want it all and things like that yeah. Again, um yeah it's it's a well-oiled machine you know? yeah. So, yeah for the number of times that you can see swapping guitars uh, if there was a number of guitars used, there was obviously the the red special. There was uh, one of the friars as the drop D for Fat Bottom Girls. There was the um, Green Guyton for the shenanigans in kind of magic uh, yeah. and things like that. So the number of times that guitars are being swapped, it's it's seamless. Um, I think, and again, I think it was discussed on the forum a little bit. The only thing that I did spot. And it's probably something that you might might be get the opportunity to ask. Uh, is that I'm sure that Pete had to swap out one of the AC30s on Monday yeah. night. Uh, I just caught the tail end of what it looked like in putting an AC30 back in place. So I yeah. don't know whether a valve went, 
the speaker went pop or he was just twiddling and checking it, but there was, there was something of one of the AC 30s. We'll be able to ask him at the right time. I'm sure he'll, um, yeah, <laughs> when, when they're off the tour, he'll get back in touch with Pete, I think, and see how he is and how it's gone. Yes. But I'll uh, make sure that we get to ask him. But no, and Matt, you, you, I, I just want to go back to saying that um, you know you, you've helped a lot of people out on the forum. Mm. You've helped me out. You're always there on the end of a message. If you've got any stupid questions, um, I'm you help. Them, so I'm, I'm quite happy people <laughs> asking stupid questions to me because I do it to them. <laughs> no, you um, you're very thoughtful. You. We made all those Funko custom Funko Pops for us all, which you had to keep for several years due to COVID. Which you were able to give out last year, which um, yes. made a lot of people sm smile. Um, I put some photos up of those. Yes. So, were you? I, I don't know whether Nigel's decided which whose toilet is is going in yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, no, it's I again, it's things that you don't have to do that you do do, and you do with your own free time and, and your own money and you do it because it's a lovely thing to do and very thoughtful and it's easy to laugh that off is it's a fun thing to do but it, it comes from a really lovely place from you and it it doesn't go unnoticed and um i really appreciate it because it, it makes my meetup special those little things for other people and and having people like you turn up so on a sensible note thank you because you, you you're doing a great you're doing a great thing but um yeah and it's been lovely to chat to you this evening sir um, I'm sure at some point we'll catch up again if there's any more more things from uh, Yonderbosk Towers that comes out that we can share um, in the future. There's, there's lots in the pipeline, um, yeah, of varying sizes and materials. But yeah, the, this again through the uh, the thing the query of I wonder if I can. <laughs> so I'm uh, sure I'm doing them to see if I can find out if i can i'm sure we'll see loads of those and if people want to find you to follow what you're up to where's the best place to go to look uh probably the facebook page uh yonder bosk creations um i think it's facebook.com slash yonder bosk creation yeah. oh, no, no it's just slash yonder bosk yeah uh, you find it that way uh, i do have a website as well which is more of a case of just showing off finished things um, but yeah, all the behind the scenes stuff and updates and everything uh, are on the, the Facebook page at the moment, or occasionally I'll cross post into the, the Red Special Forum Facebook yep. page as well, and also on Instagram. Yep. I was going to say Instagram's my favourite place to look at photos because it's mm. um, much easier to read than Facebook. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, Matt, it's been great chatting to you tonight. Thank you so much for spending a couple hours with me. I know you're a busy man and you've got lots of uh, pickups to wind and mm. lambing board bodies to finish um, if you are to succeed in your plan of getting one for the meetup. But um, yeah, people, if you're out there, make sure you go and check out Matt's website. Check in with what he's up to. And if you're in need of pickups, go and ask him nicely if he can make you a set, which reminds me of something I need to talk to you in a minute. Hmm. Thanks. <laughs> no, thanks, Matt. Thanks for uh, for tonight, and um, looking forward to seeing you in person in October. Fantastic. See you then, John. Cheers, Matt. Cheers. So that was the episode with Matt, which was absolutely fantastic. Matt's an absolutely wonderful chap. Great to record with, and we had a lot of giggles. And 
chats around what was said and what wasn't and um yeah it's, it's a good episode thanks matt it's great always lovely to learn how you guys got into queen and and brian may and the whole red special and falling down the rabbit hole of building these things um we're also similar or slightly different but no it's just good to capture and um i know you've done some great things yourself in the last 12 months and you've gone on to build the amps for brian um, the dc amp replicas for um, brian may joe satriani and Steve Vai through your friend Doug who works with Steve Vai and you've also done some other bits and pieces not to mention the um the it's slate slates which I'm sure will be coming to a shop near you soon all proceeds going to save me but more on that later and the other thing that I want to say was don't forget to um follow the instructions in the episode to have a chance of winning that wonderful BC149 travel booster that Matt put together it's um it's a great sounding booster and i've got it with me as soon as we know what's going on and whoever wins that then we'll be sending that off but it's a great opportunity to win something that matt's built and it's an absolutely fantastic thing to own so well done to you matt thanks for your help thanks for supporting the channel as well with that thanks for um yeah thank you well done and uh, <laughs> i'm sure we'll speak to you again at some point you never know where or what that might entail but that's it for today and that's it for this year. That's the uh, last episode and the last video that's going to come out this year. Um, so just join me in a quick happy birthday to the podcast. Hurrah! I was going to get a cake, but I've been on well and unable to go and do all of those sorts of things. Um, so we'll just say happy birthday to the podcast together in three, two, one. Happy birthday, podcast! Um, and also just to wish you all a happy Christmas and a happy new year or happy holidays, wherever you're from. Um, I'm going to be spending time with my family and away from the internet just for a few days and trying to play a little bit more guitar because I think I should do in the, in the following year and also working on all of the lovely new content that we've got coming out for 2023. We're actually going to change slightly how we do things and instead of recording loads of episodes and editing them over a period of time and uploading them, we're going to record one, edit it, upload it, record one, edit, upload makes no difference to you but to us it means that the stuff that comes out is actually relevant and accurate at that point in time but um yeah anyway one final thing just thank you all so much for watching please make sure if you've enjoyed this that you like and subscribe and give the little thumbs up hit the bell notification so you can see when new things are posted up if you didn't like it then please leave a comment i mean if you like it you can leave a comment too but if you didn't then let us know what you didn't like and also feel free to reach out any ideas for other future content would be fantastic I've got lots of guests lined up, so um, please keep sending those in. But I do have lots of them already lined up for next year and probably the following year. But any other ideas for videos that we can make, that would be fantastic. It'd be great to hear from you. Um, this guitar, Brian May, the story means the absolute world to me. And it's a, my real pleasure to get to share with you my passion and get people's stories recorded and put down for, for perpetuity for the future generations and also to try and capture all the things around that, I think, is the mission of the podcast moving forward. And there'll be some more news on that in the new year. But thank you so much, everyone, for watching. Um, in the next video, we'll talk meetups, specifically the latest one that's been announced by Luke Holwerder for Phoenix. Also, the West Coast meetup and the UK 2023 meetup, hotly anticipated, already been asked so many questions about how that's going to work, how people can get tickets, how many tickets are going to be available, when it is, where it is, all of those things, um, because a certain gentleman said that he may or may not be attending. But more on that in 2023, we're trying to figure out how best to do all of that so that everyone, it's fair and everyone that needs to be there can be there. But again, 
Thank you so much for watching. Your support means the world. Have a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and I will catch you later. Cheerio.